we know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And we want to be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus to bless the socks off this community. And as a church, we feel led to be a church that is for the good of our city. A group of us got together and we just said, man, let's, let's put some words together that really reflect what we're trying to do as a church and what we've been trying to do as a church for a really long time. Let's try to put those together. And we've been meeting for four or five months. We've been, put, we've been talking through a bunch of different things. We've been praying a bunch about it because we want to make sure that we can set forth something we're going, that people go, yes, I want, to, I want to continue to move forward with that, with that vision as a church, Okay. A couple of weeks ago, Jackie and I, my wife and I, we went on a walk together and we started talking about just the history of, a, of Ascent from the very beginning in 2013. We're starting, we, we, were, we were just kind of reminiscing about me and Jackie and Jim and Karen Candy, the four of us, uh, the, the, we were the four that kind of came together and said, let's, let's try to build a church and do something with this church. So, so Jim and Karen and Jackie and I, the four of us are, are, are talking through what we really want to see happen as a church. Well, in the midst of all of that, we, we, we were saying, gosh, wouldn't it be cool if, if, if we did a church where if we were to ever leave, the community would actually be disappointed that we left? I mean, how fun would that be to be a church that, that it would be like that? Because we have been around so many churches that we've been in the community or we've been in, around different communities where a lot of times the community looks at the church and says, ah, they're just taking up tax dollars. They don't pay for their building. And I don't know what goes on inside that country club of theirs. And, and what are they talking about in there? And, and if they were to leave, it's like, I didn't even know they were here in the first place. And so, so we were going, man, what if we, what if we did something where we just wanted to bless the socks off of this community and just said, we're, we're gonna be here for you guys. And so that was the very beginning as, as the four of us talked about that. But whenever you're thinking about a vision or a, or a mission of a church, you got to hold it super humbly. You got to hold it out there and just say, God, is this what you want for us? We are always going to want to fall in line with wherever you have us go. Is this what you want for us? So we hold it wide open. And what we found over the next nine years is we found that God was just going, yeah, I'll show you that this is what I want for you guys. And he just kept confirming and affirming exactly the direction that we want to go. And it wasn't necessarily what we were trying to do. It was stuff that God just kept placing right in front of us. A conversation that Jim and I had with the chief of police that as we're sitting there talking to Chief Hayes, the next thing you know, as, as we're talking, he's going, I just want to help the community. And we're going, so do we. And he says, he says, but I don't have hands and feet to do it. And we said, we do. And so we put that together. And that was the beginning of the Chief Hayes Project, and the beginning of a great relationship with our, with our police department. And then from that, we, we meet Logan Haymore, a guy on the police department that's doing this little, this little Christmas drive where he gives out some Christmas gifts to 20 families and 60 kids. We said, what's the hardest part about that drive? And he says, collecting gifts. And we said, well, we could probably do that at Ascent. And so we started collecting gifts. Next thing you know, their entire basement at the police department is jammed with gifts and they don't know what to do with them through the year because it was way more than he needed. And we said, well, what if we bring it here to the church and we do the Logan's Christmas shop here? And so that initial conversation that God laid, on the, laid at the very beginning for us to have a conversation with Chief Hayes led to 
7,000 gifts and 2,000 kids and 750 families each year that we get to bless. Man, that's God saying, I am going to confirm and affirm the fact that you, we want you to be blessing the socks off of this community. Next thing you know, we're, we're, um, COVID happens and, and and you remember what I was like? The kids were jam- in their houses for like, like eight months and they, were, they had no interaction, no engagement with each other. And then Halloween of all events come up and we start talking about it going, what can we do to bless our community at Halloween for a bunch of kids that aren't even allowed out of their house? And we said, well, we got a pretty stinking big concrete block out there that is our, 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 our parking lot. What if we turn it into this huge Halloween bash? And we keep kids at six feet of distance and we let them walk through there. And you guys, over a thousand kids walk through that parking lot and and we're blessed at at, at Halloween. They they got to actually see each other and engage in in the midst of COVID. You guys, those are the kinds of things that God kept putting in our, right right on our laps. My, My son was playing for the Monarch football team. And, and on Thursday nights, they have this, they have this dinner before Friday night, Friday night football. And, and they would do it at people's houses. And so they jam varsity and junior varsity and C team into somebody's house. And, 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 the, and I talked to Jack about it. And he's going, yeah, it's kind of hard because we don't get to do much. We just eat and then we take off. And I said, what if we hosted it at Ascent? And he said, that would be cool. So we started hosting those dinners here at Ascent and they were running around riding on the trikes. We had to buy all new trikes after those guys were riding on the trikes. And, and, and you know, they're jamming on the, on the basketball hoop out there. They love this place. A couple of the kids are standing in line to get their Chipotle because they had that at, the, at our cafe. And they said, is this a church? And we're going, that's perfect. That's what we want. And from that, you guys, we started getting more BVSD requests. And, 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 and we had a big question we had to ask, should we charge them? Jim and I would sit back and talk about it and we'd just go, man, we could use the money. But then we said, no, nah, we just feel like God has placed this right out in front of us and say, no, we're gonna bless the socks off of the, our school district. And so we didn't charge them a dime and we've never charged them a dime for anything they do. And this became a home away from home for the Boulder Valley School District. We started to, to do teacher appreciations and jump, jump into their, onto their campus and give them lunches. And, and the next thing you know, we have this great relationship with principals and teachers in our community. And we're just going, God is saying, bless the socks off of this community, keep going. And so we just want to keep going. And what, and what we're seeing over time is God just going, yes, yes, and do that again and do that one. And, and when you have that option, yes, no, or maybe, go to yes. Don't evaluate where that's going to go. Just go to yes. And so we just kept doing that. What happened is we started to develop and we built up a muscle that even in some of the harder things that has happened in our community, there was a bomb threat at one of our elementary schools. And they said, man, can we just come over and take all of our kids and come over to a cent for the afternoon and then then we'll dismiss them from here for their parents? We just go, absolutely. And And then the Marshall Fire hits. And we just, and, and this ends up being a place for the, for the, um, for the Builders Expo that we did. And this became a place for, for a hub for the police department to be able to pass out passes. You guys, I'm not saying this to brag about our church. I'm saying this to say, God put something in front of us. And we said, let's just keep saying yes to a vision that the Lord has given us to say, let's be a church that people in this community would say, yes, I love what they're doing. And we're blessing the socks off of this community. Let's do that. Let's represent and represent 
in the, what we're doing in this community. And so, so, so that was, that's the, that's the vision, vision he laid on our hearts. And so as we're sitting there trying to talk, we're talking about it as a group, we're saying, how do we put that in words as a vision for our church and as a mission for our church? How do we put all of that into words? And we're talking about that stuff and we're going, you know, with any church vision or mission statement, there's an assumption that has to be made, okay? You either assume that the people inside the church fully get it and the people outside the church don't, but they'll learn and they'll learn and understand it sometime down the road. So that's, that's one way to set a vision or a mission of a church is to say, we get it. They'll figure it out. Okay. Here's an example of that. This is one of the biggest churches in America. Here's their mission statement to be biblically functional community of believers so Christ's redemptive purposes can be accomplished in the world. I know, it's weird, huh? I mean, it's, it's, it's a good one. It's a good one. People inside the church can read that and say, oh, yes, kind of, I think, maybe. But they can read it and go, I think, yes, that's what I, I think that's a good thing for us as a church. But people outside the church have no idea what those words mean. No idea. But they'll figure it out. That's one assumption. But then there's another way to set a vision and a mission in a church. And that's to say, we're gonna set something that's gonna be externally, people will fully get and they'll say yes to that. And internally, we'll learn and we'll grow with it. And what we decided as a group of us is we said, let's do that external one so that, the, so that people outside of our church, people will go, I get that. And you know what? I agree with that. And when they're here for a monarch football banquet or the cheerleaders from, from Centaurus are here because they were here two times a week this last fall because they didn't have any room in their gymnasium to, for, cheer, for, for cheer practice because the basketball team was using it. They were going to be in the hallway. So we just said, come here instead. And we said, and so they're back there chanting. If they saw, if they saw what, we, what we're going to put on as, as our vision, they'd say yes to that. And that would un they would understand it. But internally, we would learn and grow and, and, and figure it, each piece out. And so we decided that's the route we were going. And we prayed over it and, and had some ideas and pushed them aside and then came up with some new ones. And finally, we landed on probably the worst kept secret in the church. Um, we shared it in the vision. We were wearing sweatshirts about it. Here's the vision of our church for the good of our city. For the good of our city. We just said, man, this is what we want. In fact, let's share a little bit of a video that's talking about it. We know that we are compelled by Christ to move beyond just these four walls as a church. And what that does for us is move us outside, move us to our community and to show God's love to every single person and to those that are around us. And we wanna be a church that continues to look beyond our walls with the love of Jesus and says, God, what do you have for us next to bless the socks off this community? And as a church, we feel led as, as God has put it on our hearts to be a church that is for the good of our city. So, so as we're talking about that, you guys, for the good of our city, we, every, every word we were very careful with now you guys might say, okay, whatever, let's move on to something else. But this is really important that you would believe in and, and you, would, you would say yes to this. It's really important if you call a your church, because think about it. If your ultimate goal is to be on this journey with Jesus and then to try to live that out in the world, 
If that's your goal and you want to invest your time and your talent, your treasure to make that happen, and you believe that the local church is a vessel to help make that happen, then you got to believe in the vision of that local church to help make exactly what is important on your heart to make that happen in this world. And so that's why this, a vision like this is something that I got to have you guys understand and believe if, you're, if you want to call a sent your church, because you gotta, if you don't, then you got to go find a church that you really believe in the direction that church is going, okay? So, so as we picked out these words, each one was important for, for the good of our city, for, man, churches are so known for what they're against. And we want to be a church that's known for what we are for. And we want our community to see that we are for our community. We're for them, okay? So for the good, what does the good mean? We, that's what we have to unpack. And I'm gonna unpack that today for us because if we don't understand what the good is and we just do a couple of good deeds, then we're no, nothing more than a philanthropic uh, organization that does a couple of things for the community. We need to know what is the good. So I'm gonna unpack that in a little bit for the good of our city. Why the city? Well, John's going to talk about that next week. The biblical mandate that God gives us to, to invest into the heart and the life of the city. We're, John will talk about that next week. But of our city, we talked about, should we say, our, should we say for Louisville, for the good of Louisville? But you guys, we're a regional church. You guys are coming from all over the place. We got college students from Boulder. We got people in Erie and people in Longmont and Lyons. We got Firestone people, Arvada, Lafayette, Louisville, Superior, Broomfield, Westminster. We got them from everywhere, you guys. And so we know that it's not just Louisville. That's where this church is right here. And so, yes, there's a lot of effort right here in Louisville. But we want, our goal would be that your city is our city. And then if the things that we've learned how to do over nine years and we'll continue to do as a church, we want you to learn how to do that within your communities. Do you know your principles of your schools and know more than just their name, but do you know a little bit about them? Do you know the, the grocer at the grocery store? Do you know the banker at the bank? Have you gotten to know and develop friendships and what's that look like? We want to resource you and help you to do that. We want your city to be our city. There's even a map, an interactive map that we just put up at the front when you first walked in. It's got little red pins next to it. Put your pin right in your neighborhood because your city is our city. And let's live this thing out. Okay, so that's, man, we're, we're, we are jazzed about this whole vision. We just love, we love what the Lord is doing. We love it that we're not going in a new direction, but we're just taking all that we have done over nine years and where we're gonna go as a church and we wanna bless the socks off of this community. What have we done and what's the Lord gonna place in our, in our laps next to do as a church? Now tell me this, what does it mean to be the good? Let's talk about that for a little bit. What does it mean to be for the good of our community, for the good of our city? What's that? Here's the deal. Here's what any of us that are on this journey knows. We have got some serious good news. We have got some great news. You guys, a Greek word and a Latin word coming together is the word gospel. And that gospel is great story, good news. That's what that means. It's the good news of Jesus. It's his love. It's his grace. 
It's the things that we're discovering on this journey that, that Jesus is about love and grace and mercy and forgiveness. It's that unbelievable news of his forgiveness that he comes into this earth to show us. It's, it's, his, it's, his, it's his peace that he gives us and his joy that he gives us, a peace that goes beyond our understanding. It's a joy that he gives us and a patience that he gives us. We're going, man, where is that coming from? It's a, it's a kindness and a goodness and a faithfulness. It's, we're packing all that up and going, that is such good news that I need to have in my life. But holy smokes, I'm not gonna hold that to myself. I wanna be able to share that, but not necessarily share that with words, sometimes with words, but most of the time with action. How do we as a church live out the unbelievable good news of Jesus in this community. That's what we want to do. As we're unpacking what, what is good, man, that's ultimately what we want to do. And you guys, that's not just an idea that we came up with. This is grounded. It's exactly what Jesus wants us to do. Listen to this, you guys. Early in Jesus' ministry, early on, okay, he, he gets to a group of people near the Sea of Galilee, a big group of people, and he starts to preach to them. And he gives them what we know now know is one of the greatest sermons ever told. It's called the Sermon on the Mount. And so he starts preaching to these, this massive group of people, the Sermon on the Mount. This is a group of people that are following Jesus. This is a group of people that have been following him around. And he's going, now, here's how I want you to live your life. And he starts laying that out. Here's how I want you to live your life to this group of people. Now, a lot of times what happens is people will hear that and they say, well, that's not for me. That's for me to tell somebody else. Here's how you got to live your life. And he's going, no, 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 let that sink in. This is how I want you to live your life. And then, and then but what he does, and this is the brilliance of Jesus, he's given this sermon, but he has a preamble to that sermon. And the preamble to that sermon is the attitude in which I want you to live as you're trying to live this sermon out. It's an attitude. It's called the B attitudes. If you want to put a biblical word to it, it's the B attitudes. These are the attitudes that he wants us to hold on to, to live this out in the world. Okay. And those attitudes, he lists off a bunch of them. And there's so much about, about humility. It's so much about, I'm going to be a peacemaker. It's so much about, I got, I got, I got my, I need my mind and my heart right. And if my mind and my heart is right and I walk with a humility and a meekness as I walk with that and I'm learning how to live this out, Jesus is saying, man, that, I need that attitude to live this out. Why? Why does he want us to do that? In between the attitude and how he wants you and me to live this out, he gives us the why. It's a passage that many people have read a bunch of times, especially as kids. And so sometimes when you have a passage you've read a bunch of times, you just kind of go right over it and you gloss over it. But man, when I was with our staff, I told them, I said, I want you to read this and I want you to read it slowly. And I want you to pick out what God is speaking to you from this passage. Because listen to this, with this attitude, live in this way, here's why I need you to do it. And this is what he says. He says, you are not you might be or you or sometimes were. And, and now you start picking out what God might be laying on your heart with this. You are the salt of the earth. But what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? See, I need you to have the right attitude. 
I want you to walk this way because you are the salt of the earth. Can you make it salty again? It'll be thrown out and trampled underfoot as worthless. You are the light of the world, like a city on a hilltop that cannot be hidden. No one lights a lamp. No one, no one lights a lamp and then puts it out under a basket. Instead, a lamp is placed on a stand where it gives light to everyone in the house. I love that, you guys. It's macro to micro. You are the light of the world. You're a light on a hill, a city, and you're a light in your own living room. In the same way, let your good deeds shine out for all to see so that everyone will praise your heavenly Father. See, so setting us up. That, that, all that stuff from the, from the Sermon on the Mount, he's going, man, I want you to live this out. And I want your, this attitude in living this out. Why? Because you are salt and light in this world. Listen to how Eugene Peterson paraphrases this in the message. He says, let me tell you why you're here. You are here to be a salt seasoning that brings out the God flavors of this earth. If you lose your saltiness, how will people taste godliness? You've lost your usefulness and it'll end up in the garbage. Here's another way to put it. You're here to be light, bringing out God colors in this world. God's not a seeker to be kept. We're going public with this, as public as a city on a hill. If I make you light bearers, you don't think I'm going to hide, you don't don't think I'm going to hide you under a bucket, do you? I'm going to put you on a light stand. Now that I've put you there on a hilltop, on a light stand, shine, keep an open house, be generous with your lives. Be open up to others. You'll prompt people to open up with God, this generous Father in heaven. What's jumping out at you as you listen, as you read that? It's that word that maybe God is saying, this is, this is, I need you to see this. I need you to hear this. When I talked to my staff about it, I had one of the richest conversations I've had with staff as each one of them are sharing just what jumped out at them from this passage. One word or one phrase or one command that they're saying, wow, I, I can't let that down. And with, as each one of them were sharing, I love John Warner. I love what John shared because he just said that what captured him is in Eugene Peterson's paraphrase. He says, we are, we are God colors. We get to bring out God colors. We get to bring out God flavors of who God is in this world. We get to bring those out. You guys, right before we had them share, Wit was talking about her, her, her 40th birthday and, and, and they went to a five-star restaurant. And she said, when, we, when they went to the restaurant, she said, they brought out this platter of food and she said, every single bite, every single morsel was an exquisite taste perfectly flavored. She said it was, it, it was exactly what you would expect from a five-star restaurant. You'd take a bite and you could taste every flavor from it. And John's going, listen to what Whit just said. We get to bring out that flavor, that flavor that comes from the Lord. And we get to bring that out into this world. And we're going to show God color into this world that many people are not, not seeing any color from. We're going, we're going to bring out God's color into this world. That's what we get to do. Man, each one of them were sharing things like that. As I looked at it myself, what, what was capturing me was both that light and the salt. First, the light captured me. Because for those of you that were here at Christmas Eve, you know I've been sitting in that for a while. 
At Christmas Eve, I talked about how John was sitting at his desk trying to, trying to, to put into words who Jesus was in this world when he walked on this earth. And he's going, you know what he was? He was light. And that light was the light for all, of, all people. And that light was life. And he rode down and he said, and the darkness tried to put it out, but it didn't, couldn't put it out. And the darkness didn't understand it. And then Jesus reaffirms that in John 8. And he says, he says, I am the light of the world. And so what's powerful about this, he's going, Jesus says, I am the light of the world. And then he comes to us, he says, and you are light. You're light. Now, we're not the source of that light. It's like the sun and the moon. You know how when you see a big full moon and it's all bright and you just go, man, that is a beautiful moon. All that is is the sun reflecting off the moon to us. And he's going, I need you to be that light. Let the sun reflect off of you to others. Are you doing that? And we have to ask ourselves, are we doing that? Is the sun reflecting off of you to a world that gets to see God's color? Is it? The thing that caught me more than anything was the next part. The thing that caught me was the, was, was the salt, the salt piece to this. And I gotta, I gotta, I gotta tell you, there's a pastor, Tim Ross, who, who, who spoke about this. And, and man, as I listen to him speak, I'm going, man, it so helped me. I just so love the direction he went. I'm going, that's exactly what I feel and the direction I want to go to. And so I got to tell you that he really helped shape as I'm thinking through this stuff about, about salt. Because here's what happens, you guys. Whenever salt is mentioned in scripture, here's what a pastor will do, okay? If you go online, you go to Google or you, got, or you go to YouTube and you search it, you search sermon on salt, here's what a pastor will do. They'll come up here and they'll say, all right, here's what salt was used for in the time of Jesus, okay? Salt's used for thousands of things today. Here's what salt was used for in the time of Jesus. To preserve, to flavor, and to kill. Those are the three things of salt, depending on how much salt you put on there. Those are the three things. And so a, a pastor will say, you know, this, I got to unpack those things for you. And so, so he, and, and, but what happens, and I'm going to share this with all humility I can, what happens is a lot of pastors focus so deeply on salt as a preservative. And they say, they say you know, meat needed, could, had to be, couldn't be refrigerated. There's no refrigeration. So we had to pack the salt in. And that's what God's calling us to do. And so we've got to preserve. We've got to preserve the moral fiber of our, of our country. We've got to preserve the moral fiber of our world. We've got to be the preservative. We've got to pack that salt in and make sure everybody else hears that this is what's right and this is what's wrong. And where churches really start to go wrong is they stick a stake in the ground with it. And they say, here's the reason, here's the things, here's the stuff that we're going to put our stake in the ground on and we're going to preserve moral integrity from these things against the winds and waves of culture that's going to blow into this. And so, man, if we can gather enough people around and we're inside a church and we got these stakes in the ground, come on, we are salt that's going to preserve morality in this country. And that's what churches do. And then every once in a while, here's what churches will do. Every once in a while, they'll do that and they'll go, they get enough courage to say, let's get out on the front porch and they'll yell it out to the world. Here's where you're wrong. Here's where we're right. Here's what you gotta do. Here's, where I gotta, here's what I'm gonna teach you because I gotta preserve this. And they'll yell it out from their porches. And then every once in a while, they have the courage to even step into the world. 
and they'll go all the way into, into the, cold, the scary culture and the scary wind, and they'll go there, and they'll go, you're wrong, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm right, you're wrong, I'm right. And then they'll come back. The people out there will say, what in the world was that? And that, was, that, was, that didn't taste very good. But in here, they'll high-five each other in church. Weren't we salt today? I love being salt today. Because man, we did the job of preserving. We rallied the troops to make sure that our schools have the morality that they need. We rallied troops to make sure that our politicians have the morality. We do all of that. You guys, we're missing the point. We're missing the point. When Jesus says we are salt of the earth, what does he say? What's the very next thing he says? You are the salt of the earth, but what good is salt if it's lost its flavor? He's going, here's what I need you to do in this world. You need to be salt that flavors every bit of goodness of God. I need you to be salt that brings out the ridiculous love of Jesus that you're discovering. I need you to be salt that helps somebody that gives them hope. I need you to be salt that, that sprinkles on to, to somebody that's going, man, you need, you need a peace that goes beyond your understanding. I need you to be that kind of salt that brings out the exquisite taste of God. I need you to be that salt. How do we do that? Well, we do it, my how my dad taught me how to salt. That's how we do it. See, my dad said to, this, said to me when he, he says, Bill, every, every salt shaker comes out of different, different volumes of salt. And he says, he says, you need to put it in your hand, shake it in your hand and then take it out of your hand and sprinkle it on your, on your food. Because my dad knows there's a delicate balance here. He knows that if you don't have enough, if, you're, if you don't put enough salt on, if you're shaking that salt shaker and you don't know what's coming out and you don't put enough on, it's still bland. You guys know what it's like when you go to a potluck dinner and, you, and people bring all, everyone brings different foods and, and you got the, someone brings the lasagna and someone brings some casserole and someone brings something else. Someone brings the jello with the vegetables in it. You know, someone brings a bunt cake because bunt cake always comes out at a, at a, at a, at a, at a potluck. They all bring their stuff and you take that first bite and you're just going, mm, we need some salt. And you put that salt on. My dad knew it was a delicate balance because you don't put enough, it's bland and you taste that thing and you're just going, ooh, it's still bland, still bland. You guys know what that's like. When you're living this life and you haven't, you're not living and you don't care one bit about what, God's, what Jesus is trying to do for you to be salt in this world, you know that you can be pretty bland and we can be pretty bland. We see that within our own homes. You're just going, I don't want to press this on my kids at all. I don't want to push it anything, with anything. And so, so you know, you, you live with your anxiousness and your anger or your impatience. And that's what kids are seeing. And there's a blandness to it. And they're going, I don't see any difference between you and anybody else's dad or mom that, I, that I'm around. There's a blandness because we just didn't put enough on. But even worse than that is when we put so much on. And we just go, man, I got I to gotta pour this salt on. I got I gotta, I gotta an opinion or I got I gotta, an issue that I got to stand on. I'm pouring a bunch of salt on that. What happens when you put too much salt on food? 
It tastes like salt. God does not want us to, to, to have, he doesn't want his God flavors to taste like salt. You know what it means when it tastes like salt? It tastes like us. If he's saying we're salt and we put too much salt on, it tastes like us. And how many times when you leave a conversation because you wanted to win the argument, how many times in winning the argument you're saying you're feeling good about it in the end because you stood on some sort of morality and in the end someone walks away going, that tasted disgusting. What did it taste like? You. Tasted like salt. And we do that all the time. And my dad's going, man, we have got to look at it, sprinkle it on there, see it go on that food and go, did this just enhance the flavor of the greatest news I know? Did I just enhance that flavor? Does somebody see his love because of my generosity? Does somebody see his care because of the work that I just did? Does somebody, can somebody start to put the pieces together about who God is? Man, that is salting for flavor. Now look, look. He says we're salt and salt is there for, as a preservative too. We got to recognize that. We, salt is a preservative. But is it to preserve somebody else? Is it for us to pack it on to somebody else and, so I can try to preserve some summer morality with them? No, you guys, look at the context from which this is at. You've got the Sermon on the Mount that says, here's how I want you to live your life. Here's the attitude I want you to have so that you can be God's great flavor on this earth. Which means the preservative part is, try, is I, gotta do, I gotta put that salt on me to preserve a faith that says, yes, God, I wanna live this out. And yes, I wanna have this attitude. Help me in those places so that I can be God flavor for somebody else. It's not just a packing on to somebody else that doesn't even understand and say, I'm gonna pack this on you to try to preserve you. It's, He's saying, do that so that you can bring out God flavor. Man, we got to get that one right. Now, the, the third thing, and I know I got to wrap this up. The third one is salt kills. You know that with enough salt, you pour so much salt on it, you put a little water in there, you can kill anything. Weeds growing in the concrete, pour some salt on there and the weeds will die. You know, Growing up in Washington, especially in college in Western Washington, here's one thing you learned not to do. You did not take your garbage out early in the morning in the dark in your bare feet. You know why? Slugs. They're like this long. And those slugs, are, you're there between your toes for sure if you're walking your garbage out in the morning. And so, and so what did we do with slugs that were that long? Little water, little salt, pour it over that slug, watch them boil. It was beautiful. Now... You guys are going, see, now you're from Colorado, so you guys are going, that's the Lord's animal. I don't, I don't think slug's an animal, but you're, you're, you're saying that it's, that it's, wait, wait, you shouldn't do that. You guys, yes, it's one of God's creatures here in Colorado. It's one of the devil's creatures in Western Washington, okay? And so we're doing the work of the Lord by putting that salt over him and just boiling him up, you know? Some of us think, that it's our job because salt kills to pour it on other people. I got to kill it. Kill that thing that I see in them. Kill that way that they're living their life. It is my job to pour the salt over them to kill it. And you know what we lean on? This saying that says, that says love the sinner, hate the sin. Do you guys know that that's not biblical? And it doesn't work. 
love the sinner, hate the sin. If we want to make it biblical, it would be love the sinner, hate our sin. That's where we got to look at something like salt that kills and say, instead of feeling it's my job to pour it on your life, that's my job to pour it on my life. That's my job to pour it on my arrogance. That's my job to pour it on my apathy. It's my job to pour it on my anger. It's, it's my job to pour it on, on my addictions. I got to pour that salt on the things that will kill, that, that kill in me so that I can live out what he's asking me to live out so that I can have the attitude he's asking me to live out with so that we can be salt that brings out God's unbelievable, rich, exquisite flavor for this world. Why do we do it? Well, as we were talking through that as a staff, I mean, Stuart and Kaylee both brought up the same words that came out to them. Is at the very end of that passage, so that. I want so that dot, dot, dot to be somewhere in this building. Because ultimately, if we're gonna be for the good of our city, so that what? So that everyone will praise your heavenly father. I'm not here to be a used car salesman to get people in the seats. I'm just discovering a love and a grace and a peace and a patience and a kindness and a gentleness. I'm discovering that in my own life and I'm on that journey. And I want so bad for my next door neighbors that as they move back into their home someday after the fire and as we come back into ours, I want them to know that love. And so God, I, 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 I want to ask him, will you help me have the right attitude to approach this with over the top humility? And then I'm going to say, and will you help me to live it? Help me to live it out. Show me the places where I got to pack that salt in to preserve it. Show me the place where I got to pour that salt right on it to kill the stuff that I need to kill within my own life. Prepare this vessel to, to go into this world and offer up the five course meal that is God's love. The five star restaurant that it's exquisite taste. God, help me to see those interactions that I have with every single person and know that every one, every interaction has potential to leave people with great flavor or leave people feeling bland or, or too salty. And it's not our job as a church to evaluate going, is this worth it for us to do it? Should we offer this up for Monarch football? Well, do they really know Jesus in the end? Did you share the gospel with them? But what if some kid that came here for Monarch football 10 years from now loses a family member and is looking for hope someplace and says, you know what? My only interaction with the church was eating a dinner on a Thursday night in an old Sam's Club. And I think it's okay to approach that again. We can't evaluate whether or not this will lead to this. See, that's God's work. 
Our job is with every action we have, with every deed that we have, bless the socks off. Be generous without and with no strings attached. Go all out. Give them, give them God flavor. Give them God color. And then let me do the work on them. Whether it's a, someone shopping at a Christmas shop, someone's house that was helped from a Chief Hayes project, some middle school kid that walks in here on a Wednesday afternoon and talks to Amy Nelson, who sits out there at one of the tables and says, can we play on those cool bikes that you have? And she says, yeah, do it for an hour. And they leave, thank you. And they walk away for, did that do anything for the kingdom of God? Yeah, because we're gonna continue to lead with what Jesus is calling us to lead. Come on, give them good news. Sometimes with your words, most of the time with your action, help them to experience that flavor for the good of our world, our city, and our living room. He's telling us to be salt and light. He says, you are salt and light. What you do with that is gonna be up to you. Father, I pray that as we continue to lean in to these words that you've laid on our, on our church to, to be, God, help us to learn what this means. I pray that you'd bring people back the next few weeks as we continue to unpack this, what this means for us. And I pray that we would be a church that so deeply grabs hold of what you've called us to in the Sermon on the Mount and how to live our life. And we would so deeply grab hold of an, the attitude that you want us to live that with, with humility, with grace, with understanding. And that as we work really hard on those places within this church, I pray that that would manifest it in, in a beautiful, exquisite tasting, your color, your flavor coming out in the work that we do in this world. God, continue to bless that. It's in your name we pray. Amen. We're going to sing one more song, and this song fits it, you guys. A simple kingdom. This is what God is calling us. It's, it's a simple kingdom. Live it out in the way Jesus calls us to live it out and see what God can do in this world. Let's sing one more song together. <laughs>